Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the RevX podcast. Um, uh, as we announced earlier, we're going to start doing these, uh, releasing these every Tuesday and Thursday. This is our Tuesday edition. Um, this episode is uh, Professor X's political panel, and the guests are. Oh, I'm the host on this one, and then the guests are Sarah Coleman, um, Tamakazi, and Sean Logue. Uh, and we recorded this, uh, shortly after the events in Charlottesville. So there'll be some reference to that. And if you're interested in this conversation, it does continue after this episode. There'll be a couple more episodes out of this same conversation that, uh, we recorded that same day. Um, upcoming podcasts also will include, uh, live recordings of our job search and spoken word events and, um, uh, our toxic masculinity panel series, which, uh, we've recorded the first one. We've got a couple others we're recording also upcoming live events this Sunday at the pinch. We are doing, doing a spooky spoken word that'll get started, um, around one o'clock ish. Um, if you want to tell a story or perform a work and it has some kind of Halloween theme or something spooky, we'd love to have that. You can do other stuff too. It's not limited to that, but that's just the overall theme. And then um, on the November 5th, we are doing Karaoke Idiot, a live full production of the show American Idiot, but using karaoke and uh, kind of homemade props and costumes and things like that. So if you would like to participate in that, we are recruiting performers. Not uh, We're not doing it the traditional production style, meaning that we are uh, each song will be a different performer. And so it's not one character sings the same parts throughout the show. It'll be um, each song will be brought up separately as a, a karaoke performance. But there'll be an order. Um, there'll be a narrator to tie the story together and things like that. So if you're interested in participating, if you're a Green Day fan and would like to perform in that show, uh, contact us on Facebook or elsewhere. And then um, the show itself will be on November 5th. And come out and check it out. It should be a lot of fun either way. All right. So this is our uh, episode four and it is the Professor X political panel. Enjoy. You know, I think that's interesting, though, because a lot of interfaces like Google, if you were to update your information, for example, you don't have to approve it. You just type it in, and it's, like, saved. Yeah. Right? You get the little notification. So yeah. you assume that it's probably... Because I think that's the direction we're going in. We're like, we don't second-guess our decisions. <laughs> we just make them. Well, I, I, we just go back and edit like, it on, the third on Facebook. I'm, I'm like the idiot that's always going back through my I've posts and that. editing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's also it's not. I do that with grammar, especially. Like I'm like, yeah, I but that's this better. That's the new norm, though. Like filmmakers are going back when they release it on video and editing. Oh. Like they don't even yeah. nobody even considers the theatrical cut the final cut anymore. They consider the DVD cut the final cut. Mm-hmm. And so, like what you see in the theater is increasingly not what comes out on the original oh, DVD or what's that. yeah they change it. Because the studios say you have to do this in the theater. Yeah. And they say, okay, we'll do that for the theatrical version. And then they release the version that they really want. Must be really missing out because yeah. they don't own a DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, but that's what they're releasing on everything. Okay. All the digital is the, the, right. the, the director's real version. Yeah, but the you can download it on the internet. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to DVD And yeah. like a recent example of that, they gave you the, the longer cut. How long? Theatrical so one long. For, uh, <laughs> for Suicide Squad. And it's really good. Like, I like that movie anyway, and oh, I, I think it's underrated, I but I really like the longer uh, cut. Because some of the stuff that they fuck up by the cutting parts out is back in, and it makes more sense. Yeah. And I don't mind a lot of exposition in my superhero movie with, like, 12 it's characters. Kind of I'm okay long, with it. It's a long movie, though. Yeah. Long. And the, the, so long. <laughs> and, the full, but the, and the full cut's even longer. I think it's close oh. to three hours. Okay. But it's so much better. Okay. And I like the other we'll one. Probably so. should watch that again. Yeah, I own that one, so we can... And oh, on okay. Amazon... So yeah. it's digital. Yeah. Dig- digital. Digitized. Yeah. Um, yeah. Natty Bo dude's got one eye. There's something going on in that picture <laughs> that I'm not okay with. Um, no? I, like I love it. that picture. It's That's so like Galaxy Hut. There are three limbs on that. Yeah, right? The artist from Galaxy Hut? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that where that's from? Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. But look, here's a hand. He's awesome. Here's I love one, that artist. Here's one right, hand cool. hugging. Here's one hand hugging. What the fuck is penetrating? <laughs> And why is it so high on this Washington Monument? Why is it's it like into in, the heart? But it's, but it's clearly got lips, so it's clearly Listen, a correct just kind of opening. Question: 
Do oh, well. not. I, they will not apologize for that. <laughs> just, just accept. I think that is an official print from that person. By the way. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it does, I think it is. It's like numbered and everything. Oh yeah. my ben Clausen. Where the fuck? Who the who ha- is ben. yours? Samaras. Yeah. Yeah. She's anything that classy. What are you talking about? At some point. <laughs> at some point. Um, You've lived with me. You know what things I own. I don't have anything that classy. At some point. I wouldn't be surprised. I just didn't know how you knew about that. Person. At some point, there is a way to fix that that uh, wrinkle up top. But um. It's fine. No, I mean, I can be fixed. Okay, let me tell you something. (laughs) I believe you, and as a person that can tell when something is off by a pixel, I didn't notice that. Mm. (laughs) I I noticed it before, but I forgot it. Yeah. But, but, uh. Because what he does professionally, though, is fix it. I don't fix it. I know people who fix it. (laughs) It is enough. Like, uh, at some point, I will learn a little bit more about it, but it's, uh. Yeah. My paper conservator. Like, uh, her lab isn't up yet. So, like, I haven't seen any dehumidifying and, like, straightening of paper. I've seen them, like, do all sorts of interesting... They live very dangerously. Oh, my God. I'm like, (laughs) like, you're going to do what to paper? (laughs) You're going to put water on it? I'm like, you're nuts. (laughs) I was like, God, you're... Like, they live dangerously. Oh, my God. I cannot believe it. I thought... That seems pretty high stress to me. For me, like, be a, a scientist, like, I'm like... You're the conservator. Why don't you handle the object and I'll just tell you what the results are? Said, totally I valid. Yeah. Like I, I just, I'm not. And then you'll give them the results and they'll say fake news. Uh, yeah. No, you got built-in plausible no, no. deniability. No, no. It's like I didn't tell him to no, do it. You know what? It, it I don't. Really this doesn't hard. sound no. like it makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm just gonna you tell you that. that it's wrong. No, sometimes um, a lot of people like, um, especially with this analysis called XRF, because it's not done in vacuum, it doesn't give you all the results. It mutes some of the signal. And everybody just assumes, oh, I see a peak. It's like, um, yes, that's not real. (laughs) We're talking about a spec. That's like nothing. So they have to like actually put our instrumentation together to to, uh, acquire the secondary set of data to overlay. Be like, this is the real data. Please, please don't don't jump to conclusions. (laughs) But science ain't real. It's a liberal conspiracy. <laughs> Is that right? Right. And I love how they how, how the ideas behind that. That like, there's actually a, an overall concept that that there is a they behind these things, yeah. right? Like the a they, right? Like like there's there's this or, weird organization, right? The dark web, right? As some it's they, it's, but it's the D- it's they, but it's an acronym, right? But they, T they, period they, H period E period Y period. <laughs> <laughs> That's copyrighted. They, by they the way, they take a bunch of like really broad groups of people and they just. And and they and they group them together, and they're like they're like celebrities. And That's how they do it on the Nerdist. Oh, okay. They just start recording before people even know it, and so they're already talking, and then yeah. they're comfortable yeah, yeah. already, and it's Perfect. already been recording for twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> seven in this case. But Wait, it's, it's just it's just funny because they're just yeah. basically saying like celebrities and then like working class people are working together <laughs> to come up with this shit and in, in right in this over mass conspiracy against against I, them against I really love the climate change one because it's like it's a mass conspiracy to make me pay less for gas <laughs> cuz that's that's, <laughs> that's funny those, Those uh, damn liberals in that media conspiring to make me pay less money for gas. Oh, man. Does anybody notice that gas prices actually went down while Obama was in office? I did, because when we moved here, it was over $4. And last time I visited Tallahassee, I drove down there, and it was under $2 at several places in You like, guys Georgia. realize that the internet will always be... Un- un- there. It's just like, it's unrelenting how the internet is going to hear any fact whatsoever and be dissatisfied no matter what. Like, you could say that. It could be true. But then there's someone who's going to be like, well, that just means we're wasting more. <laughs> right? And it's yeah, just, people, and people have always done that, something. People have always been doing that. Though. The Even internet just gives you wasting, more. It just shortens the distance you have to go to, to say that to somebody. But people have always been doing that. Like, I'm just saying that's the part of our culture. perpetually dissatisfied sure. regardless of what you put I think a, a pushback is coming, though. A pushback is coming. It'll never go away. Like, racism will never go away. But there's going to be a pushback. And I think, yes, I, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for Gen X. We started this whole cynicism thing, and it went so downhill that nobody believes in anything anymore. We were wrong. 
<laughs> we were wrong. We're gonna fix it. We'll, we'll, well, that's the thing, right? People yeah. want to sound. They yeah. like. Here's the thing. People are confusing being cynical with wisdom. Yes. And they're doing. <laughs> or being and, contrary to being intelligent. I said the opposite sure. of what you did. I'm exactly. Smart. Therefore, yeah. not smart necessarily, yeah. but edgy. Yeah. Oh, People want to be edgy. Fucking edgy. I like my music edgy, but I like my facts straight. But they don't want to be real edgy, they want to be fake edgy. Fake edgy. They're not going on like a meth bender. (laughs) (laughs) They're not hiring four prostitutes for a gang game. They're saying some shit on the internet. It's fucking fake edgy. They they just somehow managed to finish reading Atlas Shrugged and want to brag about it. No, they finished reading chapter one and then they're gonna they read the fucking internet cliff notes. No one read yeah, that fucking book. It's a piece of shit. Right. And they're <laughs> expert, and also they believe that education is a... We don't need no... <laughs> e- to- they didn't get that that line was ironic. <laughs> it's like Ray it's like it's like, it's like the guys who wear the guy Fox. It's like the guys who wear the guy Fox mask because a similar resistance. When in fact, what Guy Fox was trying to institute was a religious theocracy. <laughs> he wanted it's just sort of like the founding fathers came to America for religious freedom. It's like freedom to be persecuting people more for their religion. That's literally and Guy Fox literally listen, wanted a theocracy listen, where they could kill people. And the Parliament was like, no, 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 we're going to modernize them. They're like, <laughs> so it's like, hmm. hmm. Missing the point yeah. there, or we're missing the point. They're all just dipshits. You know, listen. So sometimes depression <laughs> is the best route to freedom. What was that? I mean, that that <laughs> is. I can't keep my straight, I can't keep my straight face. <laughs> that is an I argument tried. that I've been given before. Oh my god! From Nader voters that, make that argument okay, right. now still, and some of the Bernie voters, not the smart Bernie voters, which is like ninety percent of them. Like, I, again, I know most of the professional Bernie people, like, those are all friends of mine. We're all in agreement on all the issues. They're not the problem. There was that 10% that were, and Sean knows what I'm talking about. That yeah, 10%. the ones that, and of course, the problem is they've all hijacked our revolution, so, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting experience looking at the spectrum of people who have supported Bernie and the things that have come out. Um, I think that there are some valid points about the um, about a couple of things in terms of the Democratic Party and how things were handled. I also think that that from a perspective of you know um, the idea of the disparity <laughs> that took place that, that that caused a lot of divisiveness, and I think there's that we could have. <coughs> We should have come together to vote for Hillary. I voted for Hillary, and I will never regret that. And I really mm-hmm. am still very proud of the fact that I voted for her. I think that she's, you know, I mean, I could go on that. I, we could go down that rabbit hole, and I'd be very happy to explain why. Um, so I but, love Bernie. But I love Bernie, too. And I love Bernie, too. Right. But we have to be he, pragmatic about these But there things. were two Look parts of it. Look at where we it. are now versus so yeah. we, have, we have enabled the uh, neo-Nazis to brazenly drive a fucking yeah. car into a crowd of yeah. peaceful protesters. We have enabled that. And people don't want to make those associations. They don't think microaggressions exist. And they don't think that the things that we say and we do in society this is exactly have, why, have a larger effect on, this is on wh- our community. exactly why I'm so hardcore shutting people down about any kind of aggressive behavior on Facebook. People get mad at me all the time. They're saying, why are you being a dick to me? It's like... Because you said this, which I say you should not say this. If right. I say we're not going to talk about this, you can't keep pushing it. Right. There's just so much of this aggression. And I think every interaction we have with another person has an effect on both people. So you these, you have a responsibility when you interact with other human beings to make those interactions something that's positive. I think it's a requirement to be considered a good human being. That you have to try to make your interactions with other people positive. And a lot of people don't do that. So there are a couple yeah. of things there. Yeah. Okay, the first thing is that we are people who are on the left are being um, are being tagged and um, mislabeled as as like this um, group of, of uh, who have similar hatred and similar um, radical um, violent kind of viewpoints and 
we're being tagged in that way yes. and um, and <clears throat> it's really one of those things where any kind of example of that happening is is taken place and then being pushed to the limit um, like that shooting that happened with that lone wolf guy at the congressional baseball practice the congressional baseball yeah, practice yeah. and here's the thing with That's, that you yeah. know like the person who saved the day was a black lesbian woman can we just address and, and so but <laughs> but these are the things that you know relativistically are not being considered in um in in an empirical and thoughtful light and right. the, the other thing that i find disturbing is that when we bring these things up or when we do have a reaction, like you said, we, we address, like, we don't, I don't want to tolerate, honestly, it's hard, like, we shouldn't have to tolerate racism. From, white racism is not something that anyone has to tolerate. We don't have to say, oh, no, let's have a conversation about it because we think that, no, it's, at this point, it's not even something to discuss. If you're trying to use a genetic trait to put an entire group of people down, you are already in the wrong and there is no way you can actually start a conversation on that foundation. And there's no there's so much false equivalence on this shit. Like people saying that like it's equal to like them to like us saying us saying that we don't like these things is equal to them saying they do like these things. These hate these pieces of hate and they're not equal. Liking so believing in a system of hate does not get equal legal billing with not believing in a system of hate. I know there's there's a lot of conflict on this concept, but we have to we we can say that if you're doing something that's caught purpose is to destroy, then it isn't an accurate use of your rights. Well, I, and just to finalize my point, what what the thing here is, is that this, these arguments are used to generalize a mass group of people. And that should just be looked at from the get-go as something concerning and a red flag. All labels are wrong. Yeah, we have to be careful on all sides of the spectrum. It does appear like the right wing will associate anybody that's not right wing with the most extreme elements of the left. On the flip side, the left wing, the far left, will associate Democrats with the most conservative elements of the party. I mean, if you think about how upset the leftists, the far leftists are about uh, health care plan not being strong enough, about Wall Street not being reform not being strong enough, uh, workers' rights and all these other things, it was about three or four senators that were very vocally undermining the party at that time. Vocally undermining the party. And then you had another group, probably about five or six more senators, that were playing playing ball, but were still a little bit not entirely on our side. Now, it includes some people... I'll uh, give an example. Joe Lieberman would be someone who was very vocally Bad. attacking the party. Ben yeah. Nelson. Um, yep. Blanche Lincoln, they were they would verbally attack the party. But there's somebody that she and I helped push right. in the right direction, and that was Bill Nelson of Florida. Right. Because he was one of those wafflers at one point, and the work we did, we were holding his feet to the fire, and now he's come out pretty fucking far to the left in Trump era. He's taken his, his, some space up as a standard bearer saying Trump's wrong and all this shit. That's not the guy we used to like go and see and that shit and stuff. He was so. Well, Austin was far, far more moderate in the beginning, but so his but, like his his voting record was like eighty five percent. So that puts him like you know twenty to thirty in the Senate for Democrats. So not not at all liberal, but not you know right. all Republicans are under like twenty percent. So it's and, like he's not a except for you know those few like like snow back then and like the Collins and right. the good ones that vote. Sanely, somewhat now, they're the same as they were there, and it's challenging because yeah. I'll give McCain Mark, gets I'm, too much credit. I'm going to give Mark Warner as an example. He probably contributed to the fact that we didn't have a public option, and he may mm-hmm. have contributed to the fact that we didn't get an employee free choice bill up uh, on the floor. That was a huge, huge yeah. loss that hurt the Democratic Party for decades. So. I understand why people are upset, and I understand why we've lost the Midwest. I mean, if we've passed employee free choice, we may have never lost Wisconsin or so, Michigan. I, like, I want to go back to something a little bit ago, and it, like you alluded to it and you alluded to it, and I think it's something that is kind of conventional reason I think it's really, really deeply off. The, the contingent of people that's kind of somewhat extremist and they're Bernie supporters, they're not the far left. They're not at all the far left. They're on most issues to the right of me by a lot. So 
I'm to the left of Bernie. Okay, my reasons for not voting for Bernie were not because of that. It would it was because of one. I don't think he's. I don't think he, particularly by his choice of staffers and who he hired, didn't have the level of competence to run the government. Much like one of Trump's biggest things is he got a bunch of fucking idiots around him on top of being not knowing what he's doing anyway. And so I don't think that that the, the particularly the campaign manager and the top staff guys, these guys were fucking morons. And in addition to that, there were very specific problems with race and gender that came up very early on and they handled them so poorly. They handled them just like all white democratic liberal condescending patriarchs. That's exactly how yes. the Bernie campaign handled and every single bit of that. And I was just like, so they're not actually revolutionary. If your campaign, it leaves out people of color and it leaves out women in leadership positions and they had none. They were as bad as Trump early on in their hiring. In the scope of intersectionality. They hired no black people and they had like right, two women right, on staff. Right. They were just as bad as Trump. Well, that's not a revolution. That's the fucking status quo. <laughs> right. If you're not an intersectional, then you're leaving out voices that represent... But you're also leaving major, out the future. ...major sections <laughs> of, right, of, of populations of people that yeah. live in this country. Right. And, and that's just, that's yeah. just a fact. And Bernie was... He but, handled that shit poorly the entire campaign. He never got better. And... And one of the things about embracing a party that includes the entire spectrum of of um, any minority population, including African Americans, uh, Hispanics, Latinos, is also a broad ideological spectrum. Keeping in mind that Latinos, Hispanics, and African Americans will vote for Democrats in spite of being conservative ideologically, because it is because ultimately, at the end of the day. They know the Republicans don't have their back. Also, the vast majority of people don't vote based on ideology and issues. Right. It's, it's a myth that everybody believes is the way people vote because we vote that way. Yeah. And the average voter does not. And there's like tons and tons of fucking evidence on this. Going back to the American Voter of Book in 1954, the first major survey of the American voting population, there's never been evidence that said more than 15% of the population votes based on ideology and issues. More than 15% of the population doesn't even understand, cannot tell you the difference between a conservative and a liberal based on the issues. They may be able to recognize, oh, Obama's a liberal and you know Newt Gingrich is a conservative, but they don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah. And yeah. so this is like, it's never, ever risen above 15% in any survey ever. People don't vote based on that stuff. They don't, they don't know enough. Right. And they're not, they don't, it's the barrier to getting to know it is both large and valid. I've got to go to work. I've got to feed my kids. I got to do this. I don't have time to look up twenty thousand fucking pages to figure out. So it's it's a very valid barrier, and that's why Americans don't vote. We got shit to do, because our government is so fucked up and it's set up. And I hate that we have to get to this point. But our founding father set up a shitty fucking government, and it's ruined a lot of things. If you can set up a government that's bad but hard to destroy, and that's what they did. <laughs> And it still works the way it's always worked. It keeps people in power in power, but it also has weak points. And I don't mean weak as in bad. I mean, there are points when, like, so like in a Stephen King story where there's, like, <coughs> these barriers between the dimensions and there's a, the, the dimensions are thin. When the people rise up and get fucking interested and organized, they break right through the system and fix it. We're getting there. I've never seen this in my life, what I'm seeing right now. The reactions from people speaking up and posting stuff and, like, getting excited saying, fuck that shit and saying, like, all this stuff. I've been writing this stuff publicly for 20 years. I've never seen anything like it. I have never. to say that I'm a little the reaction pessimistic is, in, in the scope of things. and just, just should because be short-term, absolutely. I, well, I think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of backlash to the things that have been happening. We're looking at a leader who has one of the lowest approval ratings in history. But I think also that we have to consider the majority House and Senate um, Republican parties, and we have to consider like what actual legislative um, justice is able to take place in these things. And I, I'm honestly not seeing how that's going to pan out in a positive way. I know right now we have um, a couple of independent juries, is that right, and, and that are looking at the in terms of the investigation Russia. Sure. Yeah, but that stuff won't amount to anything. But I, I know yeah. that these independent juries have yeah. the ability to do indictments and that sort of thing. I, I don't... But I, that doesn't affect I, your position in government. You can be a convicted right. criminal. Right, and, so those and, mean yeah, nothing. and so I'm kind of like... Right, and so my my overall, like, just 
dis my disposition right now is that I'm not really sure that anything is going to come of it, even though we are having a lot of, uh, you know, dissatisfaction with the circumstances. So the, the average first-term president in American history, regardless of party, regardless of the economy, loses double-digit number of Senate seats in their party and 30 to 50 seats in the House. This is on average, regardless of all other factors. When you account for everything, this is the average. So Trump, in every condition, and the Republicans in Congress, in every comparison over time, are literally the least popular these things have ever been. They're worse than Nixon. The record of special elections... Nixon had to resign. Right, but... We, Different political culture then that that should means nothing now, and this is one of the things people look I mean, too little to. As much as I love throats, I really <laughs> political culture changes very quickly on a dime, and even the political culture that existed in twenty sixteen is dead and gone. It means nothing. This is why everybody arguing over this shit. They're arguing about this like they're arguing about like you know what's going to happen on the Walking Dead with Shane. Shane's gone. That's over. <laughs> Doesn't matter. What we're talking about is the future is different from the past, and it's this is always the way it's been in history. And there's, Shane we, should have been gone from the beginning because he was in the comics. He was in the comics, six, exactly. Yeah, so. Thank but, you. Yeah. <laughs> but but that, John Bernthal's that good an actor, though, that they and they had Kirkman's express approval. He wanted to do different oh, stories, and he had done yeah. so. It's we are I would really have done switching it too. gears right now. But it's perfect. This is the type of stuff we want on <laughs> RevX podcast. So, it's, but like. <laughs> No, so Robert yeah, yeah. Kirkman, I love that he's involved with that for sure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, in in summary, I would like to see some justice take place in a systematic way so that I have some hope about so, what... Well, so here's where the hope comes in. I was talking about that's the historical average. The historical average with presidents as unpopular as Trump is much, much steeper. So we're talking like the average for an unpopular president is more than 50 to 60 House seats are lost in that first midterm election, regardless right. of party. So, well, <laughs> I mean, that's moving. the historical trend. And right. that obviously, like I just said, that has to be taken with a grain of salt, particularly with the small sample sizes we have that's in the presidency. Exactly. So but, that's the first thing is the sample size. But the size. numbers, the numbers in the, the population sample size are massive. Yeah. So we know that there's no chance he's popular secretly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we also have seen there have been 31 elections held in the United States since Trump won. Democrats won 24 of them. Of those 24, 14 of them were in previously Republican districts. And so most of the losses, all of the losses were in previously Republican districts. So we lost no road, like home games. We won all the home games. And we won quite a few road games that we shouldn't have. And we made every road game competitive. We're talking 30-point swings since November in some of these districts. Yeah. They were 30 points more pro-Trump than the, the Republican running now got. With, in almost every case, the Republican outspending them massively. People I, are going to show up this time. And it's the same type of shit that yeah. happened with Obama. Obama right. ran again against a superior machine to what Trump had. Yeah. In almost every facet. And he won. Because, Can we talk about yeah. <laughs> the, the, the people who did come out and, and vote for Trump? Because I have an anecdotal story about this, and I have to, I feel like it's very important for me to share yeah. because I want to show that there is yeah. a human element of, of concern about the overall, um, just the way that our, our government is... Um, appears to people who are outside of the bubble that don't understand how these things work and are outside of um, how laws, legislation, um, how any of that works in a sense of... Um, so most people. Right, so yeah. most, most people. <laughs> so I have a half-sister. She lives in North Carolina um, with her husband, and we haven't spoken since the election. And the reason for that is... Um, she voted for Trump. I mean, in short, she voted for Trump. And I've, I've just basically decided that I'm not going to have a toxic relationship. And um, there have been times where things have come up prior to that that I've tolerated in a way that I, I actually should have spoken up when I didn't. And I honestly feel guilty for that. And honestly, I, anyone who's listening to this, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to speak up and uh, say something. But I think... Um, it helps every time you do it. Right. And so, but I'm curious about how these things happen. I really am. Yeah. And I want to understand why she voted for somebody who is also not just 
who is in gender, in um, representation. My sister works in a boutique. She doesn't make a lot of money individually as a person. You know, she relies, she does rely on her husband. And she, um, she's, she's very, there are lots of factors here that separate her demographically from Trump. And so, I, other than being white. And so I just, I asked her, um, in an email, I, I actually via text, I asked her via text and she sent me an email that after, after um, telling me she was going to consult with her husband first before sending me said email, which I find, you know, uh, bothersome. And so I get this, I, I send a text, I say, hey, um, sister, I just wanted to let you know um, now that the election is over, what do you look forward to the most? About did you post something the about president? This? Yes, I yeah, did yeah, because this sounds familiar. It's, yeah, yeah I said, is... what are you looking forward to the most about this? Um, and she said she was going to talk to her husband and then get back to me. And I get this email, and the first thing I notice, and I hate to do this because I, I, it's not about you know, education is one thing, but like to see somebody with send me an email with you know many just issues with grammar, issues with transitioning from one paragraph to the next you know instinctively I was like oh no you know what how how has this thing been compiled how has it been reasoned and formulated and is it has is there even um, a strategy behind behind this message and I think that that alone was was troubling to me but I think what's really scary and really important to note is that the whole point to her and her husband was that Trump was not political. And to me that says this person is not qualified, but to them it was this person is not part of an elite group that represents everything we don't understand about the public sector. And it's such one of the biggest lies of all history that Trump, because he did win on being considered by many of his voters as an outsider to the system. He's the uh, fucking stepchild of the system. He's it in its human personification. Okay, welcome up. He was born in the system and it exemplifies everything bad about the system that these people are complaining about. You should invite the pizza guy. <laughs> Can we get the pizza guy on this? I want to hear his opinion. I truly do. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 just so amazing to me, but I understand it. Like, so I like I don't hate people who voted for Trump, and I actually understand a lot of why they voted for. I know for a fact that they're wrong on a lot of their reasoning, and it's not an accident. Like all the time, I get people giving me talking points that they don't know are talking points that I I know personally the person who wrote them, <laughs> and they don't they they just don't see it. And if you if you are if you live in a bubble and you don't do anything to get out of that bubble, I, people overuse the bubble concept, but there literally is a conservative media bubble in this country. And so... And you're going to hear that yeah. there's also a liberal... Uh, people are going to argue against that, yeah. and that's yeah. and as unfortunate as that is, um, you know, everyone's going to look at that and say, well... And that is the one of the fallacies I taught about in class. Well, I mean, illogical fallacies, but yeah. that's the thing: is people aren't looking at, <laughs> at critical. Here's the yeah. thing: I, I honestly don't even think this is a problem ideologically or politically. I think it's that we are having an issue with original thought. Yes, I think that there is a real major problem where people are not compiling opinions for themselves based on the information that they seek out for themselves. They have these yeah. predefinitions. And this is like, okay, I've made but this, this argument a, before. This isn't a bug. This is a feature. This is the way it's meant to work. <laughs> this is how the system has been set up is so that most people do that. We're taught to be passive and not think for ourselves. I wouldn't yeah. go that far, but I would say that I, I do believe that we are not getting the right tools to make original opinions for ourselves. I think that... Right, but that's not an accident. I'm, I mean, no, I don't think it's an accident either. I'm going to bring up specifically the ideas that are behind um, 
calling out a person if, if they have alternative views to yourself and you and you suggest even in a in a way that's diplomatic even in a way that's um that uh i that says listen i i hear you i see you but i also think that that you're you're not um you're not coming to a conclusion that has a lot of evidence to back that up. And to say something like that, some, suddenly the instinct reaction is ad hominem attacks. Or the person says that, you know, your information is fake. Yeah. And there's there the idea that they assume something is fake without actually knowing how to find out if something is fake, that's what I have a problem with. And you're and you're 100% right. This is like literally something that I tried to teach in class when I discovered it. Like I invert, like even in a history class, I always had a critical thinking thing, and I literally offered students extra credit if they could outthink me on something. If they could come up with some thing where I made an error, not a typo or something like that, but if they could actually say that, you know, I made an argument in class because as a human, I make mistakes from time to time as well, even while lecturing students, it happens. And I literally would give them extra credit if they could find where I actually made an error that would negatively influence someone's understanding of the topic. Right. So, like, if I misspoke something and it was just a typo type of thing, one thing, but if I left out the word not, yeah. and so they get the audience would get the exact opposite of the truth from me because I misspoke, mm-hmm. they would get extra credit for bringing that up. Right. And so it's like, it was actively one of the biggest problems I've ever seen to exist in our country. I think it, it's the root problem of all these other problems. Like, that ability, that inability to think through things and understand things is a prerequisite for things like prejudice right. and violence yeah. and very things. Because if you can think your way through things, violence is never the right option. Right. But if you can't, you lose control. And there, there, there is some level of... There are some level there. There are some connections with this stuff with education and intelligence quotient, IQ, that kind of stuff. But they're tiny. They're like percent, like five percent. So it is the case that people who have lower levels of education are more violent, more likely to crime. But it's like five percent more. So it, like people overstate the impact of that stuff. It's much more than that. So like when people say that like the people doing shit down in Charlottesville, killing people or whatever chances you're going to find out is that they're not dumb and uneducated. That's probably not the case because that's not what happens in these situations. That's, the, uh, that's what everybody thinks, that it's dumb, uneducated people, and it's really not. Terrorists aren't dumb, uneducated, poor people. That's not who joins up with terrorist organizations. Same thing with domestic terrorism and stuff like that. Right. It's well, really not. There, it takes, um, there is busy. a lot of, to be radical, radicalized to a certain extent, um, to the extent of violence, right? We have to think about what takes place to in order to make that happen, in order for that to take place. But, but yeah, I think that critical thinking could really just be, a, a, you know, a tool that people could utilize. I, I, I think... Something else that sticks with me that I saw recently is Neil deGrasse Tyson had a speech where um, I think he was addressing a university, and he said that there's a lot of fuzzy thinking that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And Tom, I think you saw this posting. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> laughing. But um, so, um, in the scope of you know fuzzy thinking, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, mm-hmm. if I were an employer, I would have, say, a couple of people would come in, and I would say, what is the height of the tower of our building? And the person would say, well, I was an architect and I've memorized every single, um, every single building in the city and I know that this building is 155 feet tall. And he says, okay. And then somebody else comes in and he says, how tall is, is, is the building that we, we work in? How tall is our building? And mm-hmm. the person says, hold on one minute. And they run outside and they measure their shadows and they measure the shadow of the of the beam at the top of the building and they do a ratio examination and then they come back up and they say it's about 150 feet and neil degrasse tyson says something i think that's very powerful he says i'm gonna hire that person it took them longer Mm -hmm. but they had an original thought that led them to that conclusion and they had a method to get there whereas the person prior to that was simply memorized a number this is why as like crazy and unreliable a person I am I keep failing upward just because I do original thinking and employers really fucking recognize that because it (laughs) saves them a lot of goddamn money and gets them a lot of stuff like yeah I'm you know I'm not 
What you'd call a model day-to-day employee. I've been fired from Kmart. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) And not even after very long. We're talking a month. I worked at Kmart for a month and they fired me. Now, this was a long time ago, but still. I also, when it came to dealing with whatever my job was or the goal was, it's like, all right, how do I do this well enough, figure this out well enough that they can't do without me? And you don't do that by just copying everybody around you. And you can't overcome other people's advantages. Actors that are really good very easily get beaten by actors who are better looking for parts. Unless you make yourself so good at it that they can't tell you no. Perfect example is Danny DeVito. Because like nowadays we see a lot more people with alternate looks getting through. There's been somewhat of a revolution. People demand it. And people who have money pay money to see people that look like them. <laughs> Body type, age, race, gender, all these things. People will pay for stuff that has their representation in it. And the gatekeepers on all that stuff have been so horrible for so long, there's this massively pent-up demand. So if you want to, you know... This is why the... You know who the highest-paid actress in America is right now? By quite a bit, it seems. Melissa McCarthy. Oh. Yeah. You know why? Because she's so fucking funny, people go see her shit. They don't care what she looks like. They don't care that there's no sex in these movies or whatever. And there's pent-up demand for people like us who are like, sure, we like... You know, attractive people doing attractive stuff. But also, I want to see some real shit happening. Right. And we have a lot of money. (laughs) So, entertainment industry is shifting quite a bit. And this is one of the reasons that the quality levels shifted drastically from the 90s till now, from film to television. Like, early 2000s or whatever, when there was a point where uh, the top five Oscar nominees for Best Picture, four of them were independent films. And then things have been in a deep downhill slide since then because, like, the the studio system shifted more and more towards bean counting and, like, gotta, this has got to make money and more towards blockbuster tentpole things with eight spinoffs and, like, toys and comics and everything. And they don't want to spend money on anything that's not going to do that. And so there's been this really deterioration of money spent on quality projects in film unless you're someone that's, you know, earned it and can get shit done, mostly directors, but also certain actors. So, like, Christopher Nolan can make whatever the fuck he wants, which uh-huh. is good for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and you get shit like Inception, because you pitch Inception to a company, there's nobody making that fucking movie. <laughs> but Christopher Nolan says this, and they're like, okay, so that last one made a billy? Yeah, go with whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> so you can earn it and get there if you bring in enough money. Yeah. Or if you make a profit at all. So, like, Kevin Smith who used to be one of my favorite directors, his last couple of movies have been amongst the worst shit I've ever seen. And he made profit on them because he knows how to run a fucking business, even when he's high as fuck. Basically, the last two movies he made, one of them he made after a joke he made on a high podcast. He was on a podcast and he was high. And he had some little joke and they were high and laughing about it, about some dude getting tusks instead of it. And it's like literally one of the stupid... It's like... Uh, what's that fucking uh, human centipede but where instead of making a human centipede, they made a walrus. Oh, God. <laughs> I think this That's the good up. one of the last two <laughs> oh movies. The God. next one, Yoga Hosers, basically wow. is a movie that his, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter wanted because they're best friends or whatever. Johnny Depp's even in the movie, and it's literally the worst thing he's ever done beside beating up his wife. Um, wow. Which, no, he, that's a thing. That's in court records and everything. I, that's not, I'm not making it up. I did not know that. Johnny Depp is an abusive douchebag. Holy shit. He's a horrible person. Wow. Yeah. All right. Duly noted. I'll have to look at No, Jesus. Yeah. Amber Heard. That's her name. That's the the woman he abused. And on that note, I'm going to go pee on something. (laughs) (laughs) You want that on the mic, right? Absolutely. (laughs) The levels are good. Speaking of shitty people, R. Kelly. Yeah. (laughs) How, How is it that he's back in the news, like, right when we we, um, do the song? Like, uh, we chose like we chose uh, what was the song um, Ignition uh, no we chose uh, oh you did a different one we did Thrift Shop oh uh, as uh, Amazon Prime like, <laughs> oh yeah because the R. Kelly yeah, yeah, we're, like, we're like, like how is he back in the news go away <laughs> what was weird to me was like Night to do Ignition Remix oh god because it is kind of rappy yeah and so I was going to do that would be and I used to do that one all the time yeah. and then I just got I got tired of doing it because I was like, oh yeah, this is this song by the guy who 
pees yeah. on underage girls. Yeah. And that kind of that kind of shit bothers me. So oh, like yeah. I can play a character, I can do a thing, but I, if it's something that I don't believe in the person behind it, I don't want to do it a lot. Yeah. I want to be, you save it as like here I'm making a statement about this. Like I'm going to remake the karaoke file with the words from the Chappelle piss on you version. Oh, that one I'm going to put <laughs> into the karaoke rotation at places that like yeah. not DK but elsewhere and like sure. I'll sing that version. Yeah. Because that's um, fucking... He's the he's the bu- punchline. He's the butt of the joke. I'm going to pop some tags. Yeah. $20 on my gift card. <laughs> I, I, I would even say that was one of the best ideas we've ever had. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was... It's like, um... Tristan had a comment afterwards. It's like... He's like, at first I was like, I'm like, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And then he saw, like, then he looks over and he's like, oh, that's what they're doing. That was not right. I like, basically what you guys are doing as a team is postmodern nerdcore district karaoke. And that to me is a great fucking concept. Well, the funny <laughs> thing was, we, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> funny thing was, we were so telling They're doing postmodern nerdcore the district karaoke. <laughs> the original thing that we wanted to do for finals, like, uh, would have been awesome for Nerdcore. Yeah. We wanted to do Starship, but we, um, like, uh, with the Futurama, like... Nerdcore like, uh, comes back. But it's the funny thing was, like, uh, we wanted Futurama, like, like a... Uh, so when you bring me a, a, 40 a second beverage annual, of some sort? Annual, um, annual uh, movie awards held at Bellevue Hospital. <laughs> So, so like, and like we invite the whole galaxy, and there was like going to be all this like ridiculous tidbit information, like forty-two being the number for everything. Oh, it'll be <laughs> this overall thing will be edited oh, right into on. something coherent. And then the robot, and then the robot fell. Like that last one, like, that, we have to do this. The last <laughs> I, you listened to that last one because you liked it. So that last one, the the list one with Jarrett and people, that mm. one was like an hour and ten minutes live. Mm. And it was 28 minutes on the podcast. Oh, good. Yeah. I, so You're doing it right. Yeah, I've been binge listening for the last, well, it's probably it's three or four podcast. months now. No, literally just the Nerdist. Oh. The Nerdist podcast is not just like, you know, Chris Hardwick's literally now who I want to grow up to be like. You know, there's always other, like, things, but they were like Stephen King or Kanye or whatever. Now it's like, no, it's Chris Hardwick all along. It's been Chris Hardwick. Oh. Because he's just a nerd about anything he wants to be a nerd about. And he doesn't let that be a negative and just says... And he gets literally everybody. You know who was on the Nerdist podcast last week? Yeah. Al fucking Gore. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. But he also, if you go back through the archives, and he's been doing it for all this time, and he grew up as a... He came up as a stand-up, and he came up as an MTV person. So he made friends with all these people. Like, he hosted Singled Out. So while doing that stupid MTV promotional stuff, he became best friends with Rob Zombie. Oh. And that's why he's in House of a Thousand Corpses hmm. with Rain Wilson. And they're the guys that get murdered early in the movie. And so he gets all those people in there. But he also gets every kind of, like, the recent one, there was one I listened to recently with Mel Brooks. And this is just like, it's, so it's like, it's part of this thing that I'm, I've been thinking about for a while. It's, it's kind of a new philosophy. So we've heard, we all heard about, like, postmodernism. And I assume everyone here knows some concept of what postmodernism is. As educated adults, it comes up in everything. Right? Yeah. Or you could yeah. explain it to your audience. I could explain it to the audience. So <laughs> <laughs> so think of postmodernism. So I, I have the perfect example for this, and I think I came up with this example, so it's great. So postmodernism is best exemplified in politics right now by Fox News. <laughs> they I are. I think that's late stage capitalism, but go on. Sure, yeah, but that's but that's what I'm saying is like I'm not sure so. That those are postmodernism is independent of things like capitalism. It could be in any field, so it's like. But the basic concept. I was making a joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the basic concept is like postmodernists believe that there is no truth. All truth is relative. It's okay if you're a Republican. Like it's like, you know that's. That that internet little tag thing is literally a perfect example of it. Like, whatever they say on Fox News is in support of whoever their Republican leader is at the time. It has there is no objective truth. Like they used to be a little better at it, but the the 
the twisting and turning that Republicans have had, and particularly evangelical Republicans have had to go through to support Donald Trump, who is literally, if you go by their all of their beliefs objectively, is Satan to them. They don't care. I know they don't. That's what I'm saying. It's because it doesn't matter. It's right. postmodern, no, and the truth doesn't matter. Right. So how is that different from nihilism? Because, well, so one, nihilism is prescriptive. It's telling you what you should do based on this information. Yeah, whereas postmodernism is a descriptive. It's describing this is there is no objective truth. Everything's relative. If it benefits you, go for it. Because there's no heaven or hell. So it, it's... The thing is, is that postmodernism hijacks some facts and truths right. and twists them towards bad things. So it's sort of very akin, and most libertarians would fit in this category anyway, but it is very libertarian. It, it, pure self-interest is all that matters to a die-in-the-wool libertarian. Most people aren't that. Most people call themselves libertarian, aren't there? But that's the, 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 the ultimate end of it is there is no objective truth. There's no morality. And libertarianism alone says that there is no objective truth. Because how yeah. many different types of libertarians are there? Like there, maybe 26? Yeah, it's... Like, it's, let's honestly, let's it, address that. Basically, everyone who says they're libertarian morality. has an independent belief system. There's like no And no economic way to back yeah. up any of it. <laughs> well, if you are drawing solely in crayons, that's not true. Because <laughs> that means you think like a kindergartner. It's it, so no, it is, and I say that, and no, I, I have literally no problem offending libertarians. I've several people I've talked to online have confirmed this with me, and it's been my universal experience. I've never met a libertarian who was a good person, and I've met a fucking ton of them <laughs> because I'm out on that. So libertarians generally have that kind of somewhat government hands-off social approach. So they accidentally broken watch end up on the right side of a few issues. Like, you know, they were opposed to the, the Bush invasion of Iraq, and they were on the right side on government banning marriage, gay marriage, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're on the right side on certain things just on by social default. issues. Right. Not completely, not the because they actually tend to lie about them. Yeah, they tend to lie about them anyway, because they absolutely are 100% in favor of banning gay marriage. Because that's not government forcing anybody to believe anything. They have no problem. The overwhelming majority of liberty, and it doesn't make any sense with the rest of their stuff. But I've never met a libertarian who wasn't in favor of banning gay marriage. Which is really a, yes, okay, yeah. I and don't know. I, and I've, I've debated with hundreds of them. Uh, well, so I know I that's mean, still that's still a you know a random percentage, and it's people that would go online and argue with a liberal. Right, and it's so still it's, based it's, on your personal experiences, yeah. and we have to address that. But however, but I would be surprised. Deeply consistent. <laughs> Because I think marriage, the, to, to many libertarians, the, the institution of marriage is a problem because it has to do with government intervention, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you hear the banned marriage. You don't even say banned gay marriage. You just say, you know what? Government just needs to get out of it. So, no more marriage. No, no more government marriage. So part of what my experience has been, though, is to actually pay attention to people who identify as libertarians and pay attention to what they say over time. And they're the most dishonest people in politics because they say things and it changes over time. And it does again. That's why I say they're the most postmodern because there there is no truth except what I'm saying right now. I said this in a video and you have record of it. It doesn't matter. And that's like part of the way they think about this stuff is like I'm right now. Doesn't matter that I might have been wrong in the past, and that doesn't matter. You're wrong for pointing it out, and you're you're smearing me by using my like. So it's like it's very postmodern, and it's very inaccurate. Postmodernism. I don't think. I I think that that even though that may be true, I also think that we should really be more. We should be more inclined to applaud people who are willing to change their minds. Based. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. They get. And that was one of my key arguments for voting for Hillary, is that she has been wrong in the past, and she said she was wrong, and that's growth. Right, and so exactly, and so I I think that in 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 a sense that people, I mean, and and bear with me because I'm saying that. This is apart from anything politically, from ideologically. Like, the idea that you can change your mind based on new information, new valid information, that's how you evolve as a person, and that's how you grow. That's the one requirement of truth. And don't limit yourself (laughs) from that, because I I think that, like, being able to really take into consideration... um, you know, I, I come from, a, I mean, I grew up in the South. I had a lot of weird ideas for a long time. And, and then I started to look at 
how these things were affecting people. And I, I'm even embarrassed to, to specify what those things were. But you know what I'm so grateful for is that I have been able to look at alternative views to what I thought was right. And I was able to say, how does this compare to what I was exposed yeah. to culturally? Yeah. And I figured out that cultural exposure and things that I've, just because I heard it first before new information was introduced into my mind, that does not mean that it's wrong for me to change who I am. I'm not losing my identity by doing that. I'm becoming something more. Absolutely. This is literally 100% something I agree with you on. I, I, like, this is so powerfully important what you're saying right now. I'm going to use an exam- an interesting example. I'm going to make a confession that I've had an OkCupid profile for quite a while. Like, probably since not I... Shocking. Oh, right probably on. Since, yeah. yeah, me too. I used to have one when I was single. Right. <laughs> probably since 2007, since I've never really been in a steady relationship, and any time I've kind of dated someone for a while, I never really, like, deleted kind of just stopped locking in. So, I have gone through some of these questions, and I have found that I have changed my mind on a few things. More than a few things, actually. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm a very different person now in 2017 Absolutely. than I was in 2008 or 2009. And uh, some things include um, being actually... I, I would always say... I would have always said in the past that I was um, politically liberal and but yet personally conservative. And I think that's still true to a degree. But I have definitely... Um, evolved and opened my mind up on the personal level a lot more than I have in the past. Um, it, it just depends on how you define the word conservative. Well, like my definition, I don't consider you conservative. Well, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm saying I. And actually, I mean, this goes back. This goes to another um, area of, of issues, and probably could explain why Democrats aren't winning because individual standards and um, standards for public policy <laughs> among many liberals are not consistent. And conservatives will ri- rightly so call you out on it. For example, I give a very good example of tech. You send your kids to private schools. Or um, you get upset if your son or daughter did someone of a different race. When you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm all for this, all for this, you go out and I'm super liberal. And then, but not my daughter. And you have to think about it. actually, yes, your daughter, yes, your son, yes, you. Um, that's something I've embraced in the last several years that I need uh, to be more consistent personally in living out my values as I am and uh, living them out in society. Because the failure to do so is the greatest, greatest hypocrisy you could think of. And one of the greatest dangers. And it's, a, it's a huge danger. Culturally, societally. Right. I still have a lot of work to do. I'm Everybody does. Right. So I don't ever take the approach that um, I'm, I'm not even saying I'm not racist or that I'm not sexist. I don't take that. I don't take that vantage point. I don't say I'm not. I will never go to someone and say I am not this, not that. I am well aware that I have unintentional bias. And uh, I, I think it goes back to your point earlier about having a student call you out in the classroom is that I'll slip up. Something I, something consciously or unconsciously will come up and I will say the wrong thing or I'll do the wrong thing. And it's really, really important to me to kind of live in the gray, not absolutely saying I am the biggest warrior. I don't even call myself a feminist. I consider myself an ally feminism rather than a feminist because I don't want to... I, I can't... I'm not a woman. I can't yeah. speak from a woman's experience. So I don't know if it's fair for me to say that I'm a true feminist. As an ally, your job's not to speak for them. Right. It's to listen. It's to amplify voices. Yeah. It's to listen to amplify voices. If you're amplifying female voices, then you're a feminist. If you're advocating for equal rights for women, then you're a feminist. <clears throat> But it's that simple. The fact is, is that you're, you probably disclaiming that you are what helps the movement. You saying that I'm a feminist. If you live up to it, it helps. Yeah, you have all the people like you're very good about taste. As in, 
was when we uh, did the final, the Celebrity Jeopardy number. The I, I feel like it was like you know searching the topics and uh, like you know the different categories. And Sean was like, "This one we can't do because you know um, it at the time it's hilarious, but it's also like." It's also from it's not, 15 years ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Times change. It's hard yeah. to... And also, like, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, you don't, you need, well, it's good to not step on people, like, the viewpoints, like, and defend them. That's not yeah. their, our goal. Our goal is to have fun. And Always like, uh, punch up. I think that that's something that... Always punch well, I'm up. Hoping, I'm hoping that um, this, um, tomorrow, I'm excited about tomorrow and seeing what's going to happen, but uh, hopefully less of the... Just less of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a very big part of it, but what my team's doing is amazing. Amazing, that's good. That's good. Maybe like, people on the podcast yeah. don't understand yeah. what you guys are talking about. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so your team in what? Uh, the district karaoke citywide championship. Okay, so competitive karaoke guys. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of people we are. <laughs> 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 we just, all right, we're willing. We're willing to identify. Three, three out of the four of us do competitive karaoke, and the fourth person, while not in competitive karaoke, probably lives up to the title of being amongst people with that do do competitive. Karaoke. The majority of my friends I have met through karaoke, which I am just so okay with. You'll be in the karaoke documentary I'm making. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's not it's not about DK, it's about DC karaoke. Mm. Yeah. Which it's you're awesome. obviously a fixture at, so um. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and your original materials are better than anything we could ever do anyway, so Oh, that's too nice. You guys I, I just your songs are right. You know, it's so cheesy. It really is. No, but it's we, not. we are not gonna we're not gonna talk about this on your podcast. We're gonna no, keep going. It's on this definitely one. not cheesy. <laughs> you have no idea. Like I am one of the being scientists. Like Eva. So there was this TV series. I think it was called. Um, it was some kind of like. Can't even remember the name of it. But it was like, if um, if the world was to stop now, like uh, and we had like an alien. Maybe not an alien invasion, but like basically, like everything, like a drastic hap- something happened, and, and you saw into the future, and like uh, then society, like reproceeded, how people lived out their life, kind of thing, and uh, they'd always like the one they tried to bring this stupid element of um, you know Schrodinger's cat, into it. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you know, like, like uh, the way you did it is a lot better than that because the, the math. It only describes math. Like, it's an operator that um, allows it to be different than classical mechanics. It has ever, the math, like, it says that if you were to make the measurement, you perturb the system and you change the measurement. That's what it says. It doesn't actually say, like, uh, you know, the whole idea of dead and alive at the same time is is funny, but like, yeah. it's also beaten to death when you don't understand what it actually means. So this okay. is why, why when you do it it's hilarious because you draw the context of of uh, the things that that you can think of like that are um just hilarious like uh the 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 elements of the different shows and everything like just it has this uh and everybody should know a little bit more about the topic (laughs) to me okay so so let's bring some context to this because people are probably like what the fuck are they talking about Schrodinger's cat for Um, (laughs) so in these early episodes most people are going to actually know that's okay of the 20 people that are going to listen the 20 people that are listening we probably know but just to clarify um so i have a really silly uh, music project where I play ukulele and I sing songs about science and I have a song about Schrodinger's cat and it's called Schrodinger's cat is undead. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I do talk about superpositions and I do talk about yeah. quantum mechanics in that song and what people don't understand like and I here's the thing like I make fun of this concept I really do but I also am very hyper aware of the fact that I take this dichotomous idea and make a third um, concept out of it. I even address it in the song um, where it's, I'm saying that this is a thing where I'm bringing these two ideas together and they're still coexisting at the same time. Um, Although that does somehow represent the idea of Schrodinger's cat superposition quantum mechanics, it also, in a way, 
goes against all of that. <laughs> and, um, and I'm okay with that if it is interpreted in, that, in such a way. And here's why. I want people to want to come up and say, this is what I think about what you're saying about science. I want people to say to themselves, I have an original thought about this, uh, this topic and I want to address it with you. And it's because they've given this scientific topic their own, their own um, perception and they've given it their, their own time and they've considered it. And that is what I want. I want people, I don't even care if you're right or you're wrong or if you're in between because that's a thing and nothing is black and white. Um, but I think that... Except Nazis. Uh, we'll, we'll just, we're, I, I kind of want to avoid that rabbit hole because I feel like yeah. that's a thing, but yeah. um, especially now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that I do... The whole point of this project is to make people just as enthusiastic as I am about these topics because they are fun. And they can be fun. I have a song about microbial water bears. <laughs> I enjoy... I Which I never adorable. heard of before you, and now they're fucking everywhere. You made they're them everywhere. I, Boy, well, yeah. I would like to think that I had something to do with that. <laughs> However, I think that everyone just kind of had a, a, a hive mind conscientious <laughs> identification well, I think a, of this Well, quite a few people creature. saw that video that you first saw that you showed to me about them yes. before you wrote the song. Yes, so yeah, so they criteria. just saw... Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So that's a popular... Show. Yeah, yeah, right. that's popular. So, yeah. <laughs> So, if anyone's interested in that, it's Hank Green has come up with a a, a video uh, um, on a series that he's made called SciShow. Hank Green and John Green are brothers. John Green you might know of because he has authored um, The Fault in Our Stars, among other books. And so, really? yes. <laughs> and so they're very cool. They're both they, yeah. they're they're the brothers from the Vlog Brothers, which is a whole other channel. It's also amazing. John Green has his own series called. Um, Crash Course, which is a history um, YouTube channel, and um, my point here is Hank Green's show, Sci Show, has a hilarious, endearing little um, episode about microbial water bears slash tardigrades slash moss piglets, and it's a maze balls, and I highly recommend it. And more highly recommended is Sarah Stardust's song about water bears. Yeah, which is literally. And I've probably seen it live more than just about anybody. Because going back to Florida, I was seeing like all your live shows whenever I could, going all the way back to Florida. So any of your stuff, I've probably seen more than most people. I hate to say this, but I don't. I didn't start Stardust music until I was here. Sure, but I'm talking about your music in general. Yes, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. believe that yeah. much. Yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah. did have my own weird solo stuff. It was angstier. <laughs> um, and that's okay. And, you know, but the, the point here is it's not about me. And that's what I like yeah. about Sarah Stardust yeah. is that it's not about who I am and it's not about me whining and complaining. This is about showing enthusiasm and positivity about post-positivism, which is a different thing. <laughs> Write this down. And it's, and it, it's just, it's really just, so much more than just, um, just you know, um, cathartic yeah. whining. Okay, uh, that's uh, where this episode ends. Thanks for listening to the Professor X political panel. If you're enjoying that discussion, check back and we will have a part two and a part three to this one. Thanks for listening.